and I mean, like, everyone's trying to tell me their issues, and I'm like, bitch, Welcome back to Rebel Girls Book Club. I'm Harmony. And I'm Maggie. And we're here to take you on an intersectional feminist approach to books from all over the spectrum. Bestsellers, we've got you covered. That one book from English class you hated while you read it but you can't forget, we've got that too. Comic books, nonfiction, it's all right here. So grab your tea, grab your blanket, and let's get rebellious talking about your new favorite reads. Rebel Girls Book Club. We are here today with a special spooky surprise. We have with us the wonderful, oh wait, wait, first of all, just so y'all know, I am Harmony. And Mags? I'm Maggie. <laughs> and we have with us today a special, special guest, the horror queen, Miss Amaris Gagnon! Yay! Why don't you explain to our limited audience? Okay, so I am currently a screenwriter living in Los Angeles. I pay my rent by working in production, and I want to be one of the next upcoming horror writers in Hollywood, in the industry. That's very ambitious. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think what we're going to do just so that our audience can get an idea of who you are and we can do it in a kind of fun way so we have a fun game that we're gonna do and it's going to be amorous we're going to give you 30 seconds to answer a series of questions and it's going to be rapid fire and maggie and i are going to alternate just to get a better idea of who you are all right are you okay with us she consents all right Maggie, do you have the timer ready? Yeah, I'm ready to go. All right. Amaris, ready, set. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, Maggie has the first question. Maggie. <laughs> All right, ready, set. Set. Top three horror movies. Um, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and The Thing. Okay, top three horror writers. They can be either movies or books. Stephen King, Shirley Jackson, and H.P. Lovecraft. Thriller, slasher, or monster? Um, monster. Ooh, okay. Favorite monster? Um, I really admire the creature from The Thing, so I'm gonna go with that, The Thing. Favorite candy to eat while watching a horror flick? Um, my go-to is probably Haribu. Those little gummy bears. (laughs) Yay! That does sound like an amorous candy. Okay, wonderful. That had... We should have made it 10 seconds. We should have made it harder for you. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, so, Amorous, one of the reasons why we decided to have you on today is because you're a screenwriter interested in horror. And so I wanted to know whether or not people are surprised when they learn about your interest in horror. Yeah, they're very surprised. They're sort of, like, skeptical of me. They they give me, like, that look like, oh, you write horror like you? As if horror writers look like something else. And I was like, yeah, me. Like, what do you think I write? Rom-coms? Like, fuck no, I hate romantic comedies. In fact, I really don't enjoy comedy in general. So I'm just like, I, I just, I don't understand if it's the appearance or if it's because I'm a woman or if it's because I'm a little brown girl. I I don't know. I really don't. But I'm just like, yeah, like I've been 
writing and watching and reading this stuff since I was probably eight years old. So it, it really irritates me when people almost think that I'm like delusional or something in my in my writing. And I'm like, no, I didn't just start yesterday. I've been trying to work towards this for a long time, like, you know, years. Okay, so they don't take you seriously, you think? No. Nope. Because you look, okay. Maggie, what do you think about that? <laughs> I don't like it. That's what that face is. I feel like it's, I don't know, all of the above. Uh, our next question is is about whether you have, you. there were any, like, woman horror writers you idolized growing up. And you mentioned Shirley Jackson already, but, like, that's really one of the only, like, female, like, really prominent female horror authors I can think of. And I feel like it's probably an industry that's very male dominated and they expect anyone who's actually like interested in horror i feel like i feel like a lot of people expect it to be just like a completely male dominated field absolutely were there any female horror writers then besides i mean i know there was like some women who wrote like on like political issues growing up like i i don't i can't really name them either (laughs) Like, they, they made it into sort of, like, a social horror, but I I don't know. Like, no. I'm embarrassed to say that the most, like, growing up, like, I really centered on, like, Stephen King. And there's more people out here than just him. More people that made an impact. But, uh, yeah, honestly, it's, like, white men. Okay, so that was a part of our second question that we wanted to know. So, Amaris already mentioned this, but for people who are listening, Amaris is brown, and um, half black. So were there any black horror writers when you were a kid? Or even just people of color, I guess. Anyone that wasn't not, a white man. Not really. Huh. And why do you why do you think that is? I don't think... I mean, I'm, they're there. These, these women existed. They were there writing. But a lot of the attention was probably given to a lot of the male writers. And anything that came out in the media in the 90s and early 2000s, it everything that you know is is coming from like anything that's getting produced in Hollywood or directed or bought and then marketed it's a lot of it came from Caucasian males and a lot of black writers weren't given that opportunity to be in a writer's room to have their screenplay produced and now like everything's up and coming and we have like diversity programs at big studios and a lot of women of color and women in general are having that opportunity now. But it back in like 1998 when I was watching sci-fi, I bet a lot of that content was created by a lot of white men. So do you think that's a problem just in Hollywood in general or do you think it's particularly bad within the horror industry? Um, I think it's bad in general. I'm not too much in like literature as much as you guys are but um I don't know about publishing I I don't know what like those statistics are but just like I know like within like tv and in Hollywood and film I know that we have a problem with um non-white male voices being Mm -hmm. showcased throughout all sorts of media but I wanted to know if perhaps it was particularly bad in the horror industry Versus the rest of Hollywood. I mean, exactly. I can't think of I can't think of an upcoming person right now. I mean, maybe like white women, but not as a, like a black woman. Not, not for horror, yeah, I mean, really not like in regular cinema. Like obviously in drama, you have a lot, but in horror in general, I'm like, just like the movies I've seen this year, they were all like men. A lot of them were men. 
what about horror do you think might be an especial barrier for women of color? Well, I think the problem with horror goes beyond just gender, too. It's not taken seriously enough. And I, I don't know when that happened or why it happened, but, I mean, horror in general, like, started out as a very political thing. And then it, you know, went into, like, the thrash, the, yeah, like, thrashers and monsters and then movies that didn't quite have, like, like the why. It, you know, they stopped being political. And that's fine because it's, it's horror is there for your enjoyment. But I, I just think in general, like, horror is hard to be taken seriously and, and just up until now like with Jordan Peele coming out with all this stuff people are starting to say oh like you can really make money off of this but in terms of like people thinking that it could make an, an impact like a drama could that's where the issue is and then on top of that you're a woman writer so it's like double the genre itself is not taken seriously and the gender itself is not taken seriously so do you think that's because, I mean, Maggie here is, like, a, a really big fantasy genre reader. Do we think that, like, genre in of itself is taken less seriously because it only appeals to specific people? Like, it appeals on a less broad scale? Uh, I or... mean, I would say a lot of what Amaris just said about genre, especially horror being taken less seriously in, in cinema, is also super true for literature. Genre fiction in general is considered to be, like, it's just considered I don't I don't know if it's because it appeals to like a less broad audience or because there's like preconceived notions about the types of people who read horror or fantasy or like especially romance and like who who that appeals to and all of that stuff because I think that a lot of times when people think about fantasy they think that nerdy white dudes or like with romance it's highly about not liking what women like and all of that stuff so I feel like it's just a it's like a really pervasive problem, but I totally agree with the idea that like there's the it's like a double whammy of the fact that the genre itself isn't taken seriously. So I think that then people think it's less important to take care of some of the problems within it, if that makes sense. If you will excuse me for a second, though, I just got a series of emergency texts and my dog is screaming, so I will be back. Please continue. Okay. So while Maggie's gone... On that note about genre, and then I, I guess, I don't know, I think you are, you're, I mean, you're only 25, 26, mm -hmm. almost, right? Almost 26. So you're a woman in Hollywood right now, kind of dealing with Hollywood, <clears throat> not just from the horror perspective, but from Hollywood all over. What are some of the barriers that you yourself have faced in Hollywood? Just being taken seriously. And I, I don't know if it also goes with appearance. Like, if you're talking to somebody and if you don't look a type of way, then people literally, like, they, they smile under their breath. Like, oh, <laughs> like, you're a screenwriter? You? You write? And I'm like, why? Because I'm goofy and I quote Spongebob? I can't actually be, like, this ambitious person that spends, I mean, tries to spend as much as time she can out of her 60-hour work week to work on her freaking scripts. It is like the most, I, I can't even stand it. It makes me not want to work in the entertainment industry because I don't want to be around these fucking people. <laughs> um, sorry, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah, you're totally allowed to swear. Our theme song has a swear in it. You're all good. Yeah, it's, it's just, um, like even just in, like I work in production right now and I can't even tell you how many times people have asked me if I was like an intern or the new PA and it's like, this is just production. 
so I, it's so frustrating to be like, yeah, I'm a writer. And people are like, oh, yeah, have you have you finished a script? And I was like, yes, I wouldn't fucking say I'm a goddamn writer. I don't have a fucking script finished. Then I would just be an aspiring writer. But I fucking write. Regardless if I don't have anything produced, I fucking write every goddamn day. And I'm trying to better myself. Like, maybe my scripts aren't ready yet. Maybe I'm not ready to be in a writer's room writing yet. But in the next three years, like, if I keep going and I keep trying, yeah. Have you interacted with other non-white male people? People who are not white and male uh, about this, and have they had similar experiences? Or um, I'm going to be honest. A lot of the places I've worked at, most people were white, but the few like black people that I have come across, a lot of them are not necessarily writers either. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I know I'm I know I'm blanking on people that I've talked to and met. I mean, I've met like a bunch of diverse people. It's just I've met a lot of people that just write. You know, like, they don't necessarily just write horror. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just, I'm curious, horror as a genre might be less accessible to people who are marginalized because it's, because they're living more of, like, a real horror? Or I don't, I don't know, is that real, do you think? Like, the idea that they don't need, people don't need to be scared because their lives are already less comfy. Is that misguided or do you what do you think about that premise um I'm not sure I really understand it I think horror in itself is for everybody regardless if you're you're poor or you're rich or you're white or you're black because like since the beginning of time people have been obsessed with the unknown and like this fear that you know what lurks in the dark like since freaking Jesus was walking, man. I mean, that's why they wrote the goddamn Bible. Because <laughs> they're scared. They're like, whoa, when someone dies, their their body is lifeless, and we don't know where they went. And then now we have all this, like, religion stuff. And I'm like, I just, I wonder how much of that really came from, I mean, I may be like, it's not like I'm a total atheist, but I just wonder how much of religion came from fear and how much of it actually came from some divine entity that proclaimed this stuff on the people. So are you saying that horror is about fear of the unknown? Yeah. So it doesn't really matter who you are. It's it just goes back to this instinct. This like you step outside your door and you have no idea what's gonna happen that day. That's horrifying. Go. Were you traumatized as a child by watching unsolved mysteries? Do you like to judge facial hair? <laughs> Guess what? We have a podcast for you. Can you believe it? It's called Perhaps It's You. And it is an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Samantha. I'm Liz. We're two cool mystery ants, not really, <laughs> watch an episode of Unsolved Mysteries each week. And tell you about it. We update you if any of the mysteries have been solved. We rate the episode on a scale of Robert Stacks. We can give episodes a possible five out of five Robert Stacks, although it rarely happens. Very rarely. We also complain about what everyone is wearing. And it doesn't really matter if you know anything about Unsolved Mysteries or not. You should tune in because it's the number one podcast on iTunes. Yeah, you can find us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, most podcast platforms. You can also check out our website, perhapsitsyou.com, or find us on the social medias at Perhaps It's You. Yep. And get out there and solve some mysteries, bitches. Yeah. (laughs) Skipping around a little bit, because you were talking about horror being fear of the unknown you were also talking about it being something 
that was big in terms of politics. Do you think that horror has ever been a place for empowerment? I'm absolutely. Yeah, I mean, even with like, what if we just watched this year? Like, what have I seen any good horror this year? Low key, like not really. But um, I'm trying to think of one where we had like a good female lead. I mean, yeah, you know, the remake of Halloween. You know, we have Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, character coming back, and 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 she's and she kills Michael. I mean, she probably didn't really kill him, but you know, I mean, yeah, it it can be empowering for women in that way as we have our leads like flir- you know thriving and flourishing. Let me think of something that was really impactful. And besides, like, I mean, Get Out and like Jordan Peele stuff is like. <sighs> I mean, I guess, like, Get Out is definitely a social thriller. It was not, I don't really classify that as horror, but us. These are, like, these are, uh, like, very controversial opinions you're throwing out there, (laughs) I mean, I don't even know. I, I don't, I can't even talk about us. I'll just get people mad because I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Maggie, did you have a question about females within horror? I am also curious to know about female archetypes in horror. Are you looking them up? (laughs) (laughs) I was actually actually looking up like some films of last year so I could refresh my mind on something to talk about. But a lot of this stuff was terrible. Let me think of something. Oh, God. I mean, I guess like... In terms of, like, a lot of horror movies, like, women, if they have the lead role, they'll be like, oh, like, there's a monster. You know, I saw something outside last night at my window. Like, I saw it go into the neighbor's house, and now the neighbor's dead. I'm telling you, I saw it. And the police are like, you're just a woman. You don't know what you saw. You know, so we have that a lot. Like, just, again, women in the characters not being taken seriously enough. Interesting. That's really interesting. I've also seen... The idea that, like, women who are virgins fare better in horror, is that a thing? And can you speak about that? Oh, my God. I, I, like, watch so much that I'm just, like, like, what have I just seen recently that is talking about that? Like, in in Scream, for example, I just watched that a couple of weeks ago again. The main character, she she was, like, a virgin, and, and Scream is all about, like, making you know, fun of the horror movie and, and how horror movies play out. And, you know, like, the virgin's always going to be, like, one of the last people to make it out. And and then when she, yeah. Why is that? Why is the virgin the last one to make it out? Like, what is the context behind that? What's the societal context? Why is Why is horror perpetuating that idea? Well, I mean, you know, in Friday the 13th, you have a lot of those women, a lot of scenes of, like, these teenagers, like, you know, having sex, and they're naked, and then, you know, I think it's the sense of, like, if as long as you're pure, and you're, you know, you've given yourself to God, and you're not a hoe, then you're probably gonna live, and then those women that are, like, having sex with a lot of people and hooking up, like, as you can see, there's those, like, bare-breasted women running through the houses. They're always getting killed. And then those other smart women with the glasses, and they're, you know, they're like, oh, I I don't know why it is that. I, maybe it just goes back to, like, historical times where, you know, if you have sex before marriage, you're, you're going to... You're going to die. You're going to go to hell. Like, all these bad things are going to happen to you. And I think that's, you know, like... 
if you, you're not doing that, you're, you'd probably survive a zombie apocalypse. I think it's really interesting also that you mentioned it's not just about, like, appearance. Like, there's also um, so many values ascribed to those two different stereotypes. Like, the more modest woman is considered to be intelligent and smart. And a lot of the time, you know, the, the sluttier-looking woman is, uh, or, like, portrayed to be slutty woman, is, is considered to be, like, ditzy and is just, like, has no idea what's going on. Um, which is like very disturbing because it's not it's it it it's not just a moral judgment it also like is talking about other like personality qualities and things like that. I think that's really interesting because I've also we've been talking a little bit we've been skirting around the idea of horror as a tool for empowerment and the idea of the final girl I can see as empowering. Um I don't watch a lot of horror movies but I know a lot of people love uh, alien because of the final girl in that and you've mentioned halloween it sounds like there is some final girl aspects within that does the final girl always have to be pure and does that take away from the empowerment no because you know what i just saw that movie ready or not like two weeks ago and the the bride makes it to the end and everyone else dies and i don't think she was a virgin like she smoked she wasn't your ideal person she came from like foster care they were like painting her to be this loser woman for some reason and she was she outsmarted the whole family that was trying to kill her and um so yeah i think like hollywood is definitely like changing things up i i don't i don't really see a lot of these archetypes as much anymore like things have really changed over the past decade like people are not writing women this way i don't think they're being allowed to anymore that's good we won't stand it who wants to watch that that's very fair i also think it's interesting that we were talking about the pure woman being one of the last people to live like the virgin i also think a horror movie trope is that one of like the black people die first is that or die early is that a trope do either of you know? I think you're both more knowledgeable than me on horror. Um, not anymore. Oh, yeah, definitely, you know, in, like, the 70s, the 80s, maybe in the 90s. But as it started to become a problem, it's not, it doesn't happen anymore. I, I don't see that. But why do you, no. why do you think that was to begin with? You know... I feel like I once read that on the battlefield, <laughs> when we'd have, like, white and black soldiers together, they'd put the black people up front to die first. <laughs> Maybe it came from that. So you think it's this Sorry. idea of, like, killing off black bodies? Because they're not, they're not as important as the other characters. Even, you know, like, they're just not painted as important. Or even if they were important... They, if someone has to die, it's going to be them. Because who are we really looking at? The white people, I guess? That's what they were thinking this whole time. Like, we'll just throw in some black person there for, like, you know, affirmative action reasons. And then kill them off. Cause so at least we can say we had some diversity in our movie. Even if it was just for a scene. That was a really eloquent answer. Harmony asked that question and I was just sitting there like, well, because racism, Harmony. <laughs> because racism exists. No, that's... That's really interesting. And in contrast, what we're valuing most is purity. Have we ever seen a person of color as a final girl other than like Jordan Peele movies, maybe? Um, I know Gabrielle Union was just in that movie Hyde or something or what was it called? I don't know. So these robbers like came into her house 
and I didn't even watch it, but I can tell you she survives in the end because they follow the same fucking formula every time. So, um, can someone fact check me? <laughs> I will fact check later and I'll insert it in. I'll insert it here. According to Wikipedia, Gabrielle Union stars in Breaking In, which is the movie Amorous is referring to. She does survive until the end. I'm I'm looking because I, I I watch a lot and I'm trying to figure out have have I seen something with a black woman that lives to the end? Hmm. Are people of color in this 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 um very archaic sort of? formula for horror movies are people of color considered less pure is what i'm wondering or is it just that we don't value them as much but it, it seems as though we're valuing purity above all else oh, in this formula absolutely i mean even to go back with like the pure thing if you go back to the slave times you know you have those tropes and and i forgot all of them but one of them was that black people are hypersexual you know, and all they all they want to do is have sex and be violent, and that was that's that's definitely a thing. That's a historical thing. Um, I don't know what what it was called, but maybe it's that notion with the whole like purity, like black people aren't pure because, I mean, if you're born black, then you're not really born human, right? Because we were enslaved for like three hundred. So that's true, and I feel like I have seen that, like I've seen article. I mean, I've seen it, yes, but I've also seen a lot of research done. Or, or commentary on the idea that black women are over-sexualized. And part of that is because white men slept and raped black women. And mm -hmm. therefore, they were less valued. And a lot of, a lot of uh, the, the societal context against white women is like protecting their purity. So it seems like horror movies really play into that. But that's interesting, too, because... As we were talking about before, horror is talking about the unknown, and so you would think that it would flip these scripts a little bit more. Well, I mean, at least I can say that Jordan Peele did that with us. Lupita's character, you know, and her family made it at the end, um, and same with the character in Get Out. But I'm honestly, like, I was looking through my phone at all these horror movies, and I've seen a lot of them, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> The main characters aren't black. None of these main characters are black. Maybe their best friend is black, but none of these mm -hmm. people are actually black. It's the casting. So we're we're talking so much about how like horror is political, and Harmony and I were wondering kind of how the monster plays into into this, and how how we're seeing the monster as kind of like a, a vehicle to explore a lot of social issues. Well, for example, I just saw the new It movie. And even though that monster, the clown, is an alien, he was woken up by, I mean, he, he also influences the bad things that happen in the town of Derry, but he, he is, he's kept there by all the bad things that have happened in Derry. So in the, I don't know if you guys have seen it, chapter two, but the book and the movie opens up with these two gay characters and they get killed, they get murdered, one of them gets thrown over the bridge and then he gets eaten and killed by the clown because they're gay. And that this was the start of it waking up after 27 years of hibernation, which again is the catalyst event that brings all of the characters back as adults to face the clown again. 
So, and then before that in the book, and then they've mentioned it in the movie, there was like an explosion with a bunch of kids who were dying, just a lot of racism at the black spot. There was the Ku Klux Klan. Like there were a lot of these hatred and racism and bigotry and just the evilness of man kept it fed. And what also goes side by side with evil is fear. Those, those two gay characters, you know, were killed because these people fear, you know, homosexuality. And, and the Ku Klux Klan killed a bunch of black people in, you know, Stephen King's historical timeline. Not all of it, you know, is real. Because he, see, that's the thing that he does. Half his book, like, is literally just freaking backstory, man. But in that backstory, <laughs> you know, if you read it, like, those people, they fear black people. Like, here are these black people having their own you know, moment, they're, they're part of the army, like, and yet it wasn't enough, and these white people set the whole place on fire and burned a lot of those people alive, so yeah, like, evil and fear kept it there until the end, when they stopped being afraid and faced it. So Stephen King is flipping the script, it sounds. Not all the time. <laughs> when he's really when he's really like good and on it i feel like some of some of his best work is the stuff that sort of flips the script but like he also has a lot of stuff that uh doesn't do that <laughs> the shining with dick hollering i was just like what were you why why did you write this character like that and um in the Langoliers, he had the, you thought there was only one black character out of all of them who died, but no, there was two black characters because the second black character was drunk on the plane the entire time. Then he wakes up and this whole thing had happened because he was drunk the whole time. So there's two black characters, one gets cut off, and then the other one was drunk the entire story. And I was like, you don't even have like a Hispanic character. You don't even have another Asian character. All these people are white. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, Amaris, mm -hmm. when you get published as a screenwriter, um, I guess that's a yeah. When you become a horror screenwriter, mm -hmm. what are you going to do differently? How are you going to treat the horror genre? Um, well, for example, in my my feature, The Dark Behind the Door, um, it's it's a little too political. I'm still trying to figure out how to how to have this movie without it angering people, and then maybe never getting produced. But I, I try to have, like, I try to flip, like, for example, one of my characters deals with, like, poverty and foster care, and his mom is, is um, you know, getting money from the government, and I was like, okay, well, for one thing, he can't be black, because this is also a white problem, and you see a lot of that in movies. Yeah. So, am I going to make him white, too? I don't know. Like, how about he's Asian? I'm sure, like, Asian families deal with that. So, I mean, just for me in casting... He, honestly, these people could probably be any race. And I have a character who deals with two parents that, you know, want him to be perfect and really smart, which is kind of a trope, but that's okay. This is a cheeseburger feature. I'm just trying to get it bought. And What's a cheeseburger feature for those of us that aren't in the industry? Um, I, I honestly just heard this term from this woman, and I thought it was brilliant. I don't know if it's a real term, but, like, a cheeseburger feature is, like, something that a lot of people will like. It, it may not be necessarily horror. It could be just like a comedy, something with Kevin Hart in it. It's probably not that funny. And then, but like people go to see it because it's Kevin Hart. 
And then there's like, I have another feature I'm trying to um, polish up right now. That's like a sci-fi. That's actually like the Langoliers meets Crash, which sounds crazy, but it's it actually is not. It's pretty good. It's a pretty interesting story, but it's crazy. And I'm like, oh God, I don't know if anyone will ever buy this unless you're like a sci-fi person. And it's not, see, see what I mean? Like my horror might be a cheeseburger, but my sci-fi is different. Okay, interesting. Do you think horror and sci-fi intersect at all? Of course! Okay. <laughs> They're both nodding at me. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> would you want to get into that? Or is that going to take us too long? I gotta think. What I mean, even just like The Thing is is a sci-fi E. It ha- it's definitely sci-fi E. Because it's an alien, and, like, if it, you know, attaches onto you, I was reading the mythology of that creature, you know, for those who haven't seen the thing, it, it like, uh, oh, God, Maggie, you've seen the thing, right? I haven't. I'm more of a horror reader, not a horror, I don't like movies. (laughs) Oh, God, it's the one with Kirk Russell, and this thing, like, it, it can... Can... Oh wait, I've seen this. It's, it yeah. takes place in the North Pole, sort yeah. of, or like Antarctica or something. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. okay. I, I got you. You can go now. <laughs> yeah, and they don't know what it is, and then once it like latches onto you or gets a hold of your body, it digests you, but it holds onto your like molecular genetic structure so that it can become you. It's fucking whack. Oh, I've seen this one too. That shit is crazy. I know, because it has, like, an arm and a head attached to it, and it's like, it's crazy! (laughs) I feel like the, I feel like the alien trope especially is one that crosses over a lot between sci-fi and horror. Like, there's this weird fascination with space and what could come out of it, but, like, there's also this very deep-seated, we-don't-know-what's-out-there fear that goes hand-in-hand. Which is, yeah, okay, so it's the fear of the unknown, like you Mm -hmm. were talking about before. Okay. And we don't we don't see just for context because I feel like it might be more complicated diversity in sci-fi because I've heard I'm not a big sci-fi person but I've heard things like Star Trek have really pushed the the mold in, in historically on diversity but that's also a fairly male white dominated field is it not sci-fi yeah yeah, yeah. okay yes yeah I guess maybe the problem like you said before was genre because everything in the media is male and white dominated yeah i'm trying to think of like sci-fi horrors um one movie i particularly didn't like was the movie life where these these people go and they collect like this alien this like sample thing that was alive and uh, they named it calvin and then it attacked like long story short ryan reynolds was actually the first to die He's probably one of the most better-known actors in the film. I don't know who those other people were. No offense to them. Um, Maybe I do. Maybe one of them was from Star Wars. And, (laughs) yeah. Um, And, yeah, like, uh, this this creature started, like, eating them horrifically. Like, almost everybody died. And at the end, it ended up on Earth. And the more it eats, the bigger it gets. So there's, like, plenty of us on Earth. And in this last scene was Calvin, you know, being discovered by a bunch of army men. And you already know what's going to happen. He's going to kill all of us and turn into this giant fucking starfish thing that it was. So I I think there's also that fear that, um, like, if we do ever find life on another planet, it's going to be hostile. And it's probably going to destroy Earth. But I also think it's ridiculous that, like, everything... Everything 
alien wise has always tried to kill us like an independence day and i was like i if i lived like 40 light years billion light years away i don't think like my task at hand in my life is going to destroy this little fucking planet that sits like all the way over there 40 light years away i don't know who came up with that it's some sort of self-centered like human thing well, I think it also, like, we're so, this is a little bit off topic, but I think it really showcases how self-conscious we are about, like, our position in not just the world, but in the universe. Like, our one of our greatest terrors isn't just that something's going to be hostile toward us, it's that something's going to be hostile and smarter than us. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's this very, very intense fear that, like, ultimately we are powerless in the face of the universe. Yeah. Okay. And that's why horror movies are so prevalent, because it's like we're getting to face that powerlessness. And sometimes if we're pure and we don't have sex, we get to uh, live. (laughs) I have one last question for you. I want to know how you see the horror movie genre, like, moving forward. Now that we have seen differences and, and the scripts being flipped at least a little bit. Um, it all depends because a lot of these movies are moving towards streaming platforms like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. So I think a lot of writers in the future, maybe I don't know if I will be included, you know, five years from now, but we're going to have a lot more chances to try to get our work bought by, you know, maybe having like a Netflix original versus trying to get your work out and produced by a studio that gets like distributed and then put out in the movie theaters. But uh, I, I think it's, it's going to get harder. And I hope it does become harder to sell horror because we see so much crap coming out this year. For example, I just saw the third Conjuring movie a couple months ago, and it was just, like, really lame. Or it was Annabelle. It was the third Annabelle. It was better than the last two. I'll, I'll add that. And then The Nun came out, and that was atrocious. Insidious 4 a year ago was atrocious. And I was like, this is literally written by somebody who just graduated college, not by somebody who's been working for fucking 30 years. Like, how did this get produced? Like, how did no one say that this is really dumb? But you know what? And you know what? They even lost money, too. Because a lot of those movies, like, not a lot of people went. So, I mean, I don't don't know. I I guess if someone else was here, they'd say, I think you're wrong, Amorous, because horror is always going to be, people are always going to want to go see it. But I think they're also wrong because there's so many things that came out this year, like Pet Cemetery. I didn't even bother to see. Because I looked at the ratings and I was like, I'm not going to go see something that got a 23% in Rotten Tomatoes. I don't care. I'm not going to see it. So, um, I, I don't know. I think more people are starting to just, oh yeah, and then there's that thing, the trend with people not going to the movies anymore. So, you're going to see some things 20 years from now that are going to change. A lot of these movies are going to be on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or the next big streaming thing. And then... I'm hoping it will be harder to sell them. That means that better content is going to be produced. And maybe like if you have a really good script, you have a better chance than having Hollywood usually chooses the same fucking people to pump out these scripts. So I'm hoping that people like me, you know, have a chance to at least say, Hey, I have this story. And even if it's not, you know, a hundred percent, like it can be rewritten, which is what's what happens. You don't just sell a script and then that's it. It just goes straight to production. It's going to get rewritten like five times. Do you think that the higher quality content that you see being produced naturally lends itself to taking down some of these awful stereotypes where we don't see 
uh, we don't see real women portrayed in horror or like non-pure women or we don't see enough diversity in horror like do you think that higher quality content is going to naturally just strip that away yes I just watched this really awful movie. I only made it like a quarter way. It was on. It was one of the Hulu Into the Dark ones. Sorry, Hulu. Like I don't know what the hell are you doing these days. But um, <laughs> this is the episode where Amaris just... pisses off the entire entertainment industry. <laughs> I mean, like I just, I the dialogue. I was just like, I don't. I, I so if you ask me, like really, you could have written that better. I'm like, yeah. But the lead is this Hispanic girl. And I, I don't know much about her. I forgot her name. I don't know her name. But she's, like, she's up and coming. And I remember she, I think she was viral in a video, like a YouTube video, a year ago or maybe eight months ago. And now she's in Hulu. She's a, in a horror movie. And it was, a, it's actually, it's actually all pure. Oh. <laughs> and it's a story on, like, uh, I didn't really finish it all, but I gauged that it was these, like, crazy religious people that, you know, I, I don't know, something about purity and sex. So it's really funny okay. that you say that you ask that. But yeah, the lead of the movie is a Hispanic girl that you haven't even seen. And, you know, something she looked like a normal person. Like, I, I know this is going to sound kind of bad, but like she had like crooked teeth. And I was like, oh, my God, she looks like a normal fucking woman, like a young tw- 19 year old that doesn't have perfect straight teeth. I think she had like a little bit of acne, too. And her hair wasn't like to- I think she was a brown girl with kind of like. Uh, maybe she had curly hair I don't know but it wasn't like done up and then and then but then of course everyone else in the movie was white okay so they like they had this great example of a person of color who looked like a real human like the rest of us look and then they had all of these whitewashed like Hollywood people yeah like the two other girls in the movie were white okay very well so and perfect looking <laughs> so it sounds like we have a long long way to go and hopefully we can get more people like amorous into the system to change that yeah you know like I'm, I'm not like a stephen king and i never will be but i think like if i keep trying and i keep bettering my craft like maybe on the the 10th script i write might be it and that not, might not be for another three years. Like, I'm just saying it would be nice to have a chance to be taken seriously and to just sort of, I, I maybe I can't sit at the table, but I could be in the room. Yeah. Just to have that chance to just be in the room and just watch and then, you know, learn. And I, I can't even get in the room, man. I can't even get a fucking job, like, in the room as a freaking assistant. Like, it's it's so frustrating. But, yeah. Do you think if you were a white man, you would have an easier, like, given your experience and life context, do you think you would have an easier time getting in the room? Or is it just hard for everyone to get into the room? Um, I mean, it's hard for everybody, but it's definitely easier if you are a white male. And then it's definitely easier if you are a white woman. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, just especially in the writer's rooms, like, they're trying to desperately change that. But it's still like, are you trying to change it because people are getting pissed? Or are you trying to change it because this person is generally talented and deserves to be here? Maggie's whispering at her dog, and it's very cute. Um, (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah, so when people do get into the room, are they not necessarily taken as seriously because there's this idea that it's just because of affirmative action? Um. I mean, it depends. Like, if we're talking about a TV room, I mean, what I know is it it could take years, like two, three years of consistently working on a show 
as a writer, I mean, like not just as the assistant support. I'm talking like if you get in as a staff writer, it could be like one or two years before you actually write something, a script. Mm-hmm. Um, but the TV room, TV writer's room is changing now and it's it's becoming more unstable as I've been reading. And it's not as it's everything is changing, man. Everything in this game is changing and then when then you have the streaming and it's just I have no idea what content is going to look like 10 years from now but this is the time to jump on that wagon and try to make a mark before some horrid thing gets solidified yet again for another 50 years okay so disruption is good and hopefully we can break the system i'm i'm hoping but like i said it, m- it might not be in my time it might not be in my time and maybe our kids will live in a completely different world and they'll be reading about this in the history books but maybe by the time I get to like age 40 50 60 maybe then things will be like a little bit better and you'll be like wow when I was 25 I couldn't even I couldn't even get like a meeting with anybody and and you know it might be a little bit easier as things go on for women of color and women in general and just people in general new writers who want to get their voices out there Okay. All right. All right. So I think we're going to wrap it up because I know Amaris has many appointments to get to because she's a busy lady. Amaris, where can our listeners find you if they'd like to? Uh, <laughs> or if you'd no, like them to. If you'd like them to. How about that? <laughs> I mean, I am definitely open to anyone who wants to collaborate. If you're in Los Angeles or anywhere on the West Coast, you know, I I definitely, I want to start making content, like just making like little shorts. So if you're here in LA or in the Valley or just in California in general, hit me up. All right. Why don't you give like your Insta? <laughs> sure. Okay. It's uh, my first name, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S-J, Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure you could find me on Facebook, too. And if you want to make some horror or you want to write or you want to just talk about it. Ambrose, thank you for coming on. Uh, it's been delightful. I hope that we break the system of horror. I hope we see more rebel girls in horror uh, and not just pure final girls. And I hope that we get more diversity in there in all the fields. Hello, demons of the night. It is Harmony, here from the past, telling you to stay tuned for a special episode on Halloween and a spooky surprise. You can follow us at Rebel Girls Book Club on Instagram, at Rebel Girls Book Club on Facebook, at Rebel Girls Book One on Twitter, and you can email us at rebelgirlsbookclub at gmail.com. Our theme song is called Pretty Boys Make Me Feel Ugly, and it's by The Gays. See you soon, and remember to read rebelliously.